0: Right here, right now. I am your host, Ben Kurkowski, and today I want to address the final position groups we have not talked about in depth for the Packers for the upcoming draft on Thursday this week. And those positions are QBs, running backs, and tight ends. And at QB, the Packers obviously are set with Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, but there is a chance, a small chance. That the Packers could still trade Jordan Love in the upcoming draft. A few teams, specifically like Carolina, like Seattle, maybe even Washington, maybe even Indianapolis, looking into the future, may see Jordan Love as a better option than some of these rookie QBs teams may be uh, trying to take a chance on. And here's why Jordan Love was drafted two years ago at the age of tw- just 21 and a half years old. Now, Jordan Love is is 23 and a half years old right now. He's developed for two years in the NFL and is still basically the same age as most of these quarterbacks just leaving college in this upcoming draft. The Packers could maybe squeeze a second and a third round pick out of a team like Seattle if they really wanted Jordan Love. This would give the Packers an opportunity to possibly draft a QB to keep on the roster to start to develop. So if the Packers were to trade Jordan Love, then yes, it would be worth it to possibly draft a guy. In this draft to me, there's only, I believe, three guys worth mentioning, and here's why. Most of these, these QBs are flying up draft boards. QBs are the most valuable assets in today's NFL. And because of that, they're going to be drafted <clears throat> almost always higher than they should be. So with all the positions, the question always is, isn't who's the best QB, but who's the best for the value. And to me, there are honestly three guys actually worth drafting compared to where they are currently being valued at by the rest of the NFL. The first of which is Sam Howell out of UNC. Howell has played college football for just three years and from day one was a starter running their offense. He put the second best true freshman season ever at the quarterback position since PFF was created with an overall PFF grade of 82. Then he was even better as a sophomore at 19 years old with a 92.3 overall grade, and then had another elite season with a 90.9 overall grade. Howell's best season was two years ago in 2020 when he had some NFL caliber players alongside him. And we saw how accurate he could be, especially as a passer, deep down the field. This season in 2021, he actually lost most of his entire offense so he won in a different way and that was as a runner he couldn't trust his weapons and instead ran for over 1100 yards and 62 broken tackles in 2021 at the senior bowl most of these major qbs uh, were in attendance and howell performed significantly better than any other major qb in attendance over the course of that week so better than guys like kenny pickett uh, malik willis all those guys. Okay. He was the best. Okay. One of the biggest reasons Howell is being slept on is that it will take him time to really be able to step into an NFL offense because at UNC, he ran more RPOs and go routes than any other team in college football. So he wasn't required to go through progressions, wasn't required to read defenses, all those types of things. He wasn't required to make a lot of those other NFL types of throws. Um, And because of that, Teams are worried about how he will transition into the NFL. Howell, because of that, is being valued as the fourth or even fifth QB taken off the board, which means you could be able to pick him up in the draft almost probably at the end of the second round even. If Aaron Rodgers had just signed the deal he did, and I did not have Jordan Love on my roster, I would be drafting Howell with my last second round pick. I think he's that good. He will just need time to develop to really learn how to play QB in the NFL. But he's shown he can win as a runner. He has the elite arm talent to win deep down the field. And I think the best situation for Howell is learning for at least a year or two. And he would definitely be able to do that in Green Bay. And the pressure wouldn't be there from a second, a late second-round type of player. Now, the other two QBs that stick out to me, they really stick out for several reasons. Because if you look at QB success, projecting QB success from college to the NFL there are several different indicators, measurables, like stable metrics that have been found year to year to project to the NFL. And at the QB position, those are PFF passing grade from a clean pocket, PFF passing grade on throws without play action, big time throw rate, uh, turnover, turnover worthy throw rate, and age, how early in their career they are producing at a high level. All these things are so important. So I went and ranked each major QB in the including Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell, Malik Willis, Carson Strong, and Bailey Zappi. In this draft class, under these criteria, and then the guys, the top candidates that came out after creating a composite score of all these different measurables over the last few seasons, uh, the top two guys were actually the Two QBs on the bottom of every single draft expert's ranking, which were Carson Strong and Bailey Zappi. Zappi and Strong's composite scores were significantly better than any other in this draft class. Both were consistently near the top of every single one of these stable metrics comparatively to these other QBs in the draft class. Strong had the best score with a score of 3217 so the lower score is better. And Zappi had the next best score of 47.5. While the lowest composite score was actually Malik Willis with the score of 67.5. The guy who is right now uh, expected to be the top quarterback taken. Strong also showed out well at the senior bowl is the third best QB in attendance there. Zappi was the fourth best out of six in attendance. The other thing that makes Strong and Zappi so valuable is they know how to effectively manipulate the pocket and they don't create pressure for themselves. The percentage of dropbacks that the QB accounted for, uh, the pressure he endured, Bailey Zappi had the lowest percentage at 11.7% and Strong had the third with 15.1%. So of pressures that they endured last season, 11.7%, 15.1% were what they were accounted for themselves. well rather than their offensive line giving up that pressure. While lots of other QBs sometimes try to do too much and it's hard to unteach that and it can lead to huge mistakes. What we saw from Strong is the fact that he is strong. Exactly what his name says. He is a very, very strong arm. Great zip on his passes. He reminds me of the classic Tom Brady Paint Mannings to me in two ways. Two ways. One being strong is a great decision maker with the ball in his hands. And the main reason for that is is that he has great pre-snap abilities to read the defense, get the offense adjusted, recognize concepts that are occurring before the play even starts. The other being that Strong is not very nimble, not very athletic. He's super tall, lanky lanky dude. He's going to stand there in the pocket. That's his game, which isn't typical in today's NFL yet, but that doesn't mean it can't work. It can, and I think his lack of athleticism is being probably overvalued in a negative way. He's a phenomenal QB. He's got a very tight spiral, a really fast release. His offense at Nevada relied on him as he threw the ball on average more than 50 times per game. That's a lot of pressure to be holding at the collegiate level. The only real knack on Strong is a degenerative knee issue he had, but he had that worked on this offseason. I don't think it's going to end his career. This guy would be a steal in the third round. Then there's Bailey Zappi. Bailey, this last season, transferred to Western Kentucky after playing at Houston Baptist his first two seasons. He had a career year, 87.8 passing grade. A QB who also has a very quick release, can get the ball out very fast. He almost threw for 6,000 yards, 62 touchdowns. After playing at a lower level and dominating for two seasons, he came in and just lit up the FBS. This year, he has dropped back over 730 times, which is an insane number of times, and he handled the pressure and the workload phenomenally. This is a QB that you see who's able to scan the entire field, stay in rhythm after his first or second option is is taken, and has to turn his eyes back to the other side of the field. And that's just like important NFL things you don't always see from college quarterbacks. He's turning through 23 years old. He's not that old of a prospect. This is a guy you could get and just see how he does. And to be honest, playing for a small school, FBS school for just one season, he'll probably struggle. But if he does play really well, awesome. That's great. Because right now he is the 108th ranked player on the PFF draft board. Uh, and more importantly, he is a uh, ranked in the 150s or 160s on the overall consensus draft board. So the Packers could use just a fifth-round pick to take <clears throat> to take a chance on him. This, to me, is a similar move to what the Texans did with David Mills uh, last season. They let David Mills, as a third-round pick, lead the Texans, and it actually showed a lot. Um, and Bailey Zappi played extremely better than Mills did in college, better PFF grades, better everything. So I would have a lot more excitement for Bailey Zappi taking over my offense than I would for David Mills. And for just a fifth round pick, the QB you are possibly working with here at the ceiling of what he could become would be Drew Brees. I'm not saying this this is Drew Brees the same way. I'm not saying Carson Strong is Peyton Manning, but they have a lot of the same tools, same Uh, builds ways of playing the game that make those guys special i compare zappy to breeze because of his command of the offense ability to win quick perfect timing understanding the offense to win a game even though he doesn't have the throw power necessarily so i really like those three guys as options and i think they're just the value is there to take a shot on one of these guys Personally, if there's a team out there that wants Jordan Love, give them Jordan Love. And you could draft any three of these guys, and I would be excited about their development behind Aaron Rodgers over the next three seasons. And you don't even have to draft a QB if you don't want to. If Aaron Rodgers gets injured, there isn't a QB who will be able to come in and actually win the Packers the Super Bowl. There isn't. So there's no point of having one to back you up. So let Kurt Bankert be the guy. He really. Who really cares? It doesn't matter really that much. But I think these three guys have the most potential in the class, even though they're being valued consistently as the lowest three QBs of the top six guys in the draft. Now, on to the running back position. Um, I'd mention a few guys, but I'm probably going to speed through a couple of these guys specifically because the Packers have two running backs who they like a lot and they're stuck with, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. While I love Aaron Jones, he probably shouldn't be playing for the contract he's on, knowing how many rookies you can get who will be impactful guys from day one. And then AJ Dillon, he is a rookie on that rookie contract, and so he's a great player to have. Uh, The first guy I'll mention is Brees Hall out of Iowa State. He's my top running back uh, ranking, but it doesn't really matter because um, I still believe he's being valued way too high. On the overall consensus draft board, he's the 39th ranked player, and that's just way too high to select a running back. Even though Brees Hall had the best uh, RAS score of all running backs in this entire draft, that's relative athletic score, Um, he can literally do it all. Had the most forced missed tackles over the last two seasons. This guy is insane. insane. You still don't need to draft him this early Uh, as a running back. I don't think you do because there's still great options after him. And so the real guy I want to talk about, the first guy I would probably draft, knowing where he'll probably be drafted, is Damian Pierce out of Florida. So this is the highest-grading running back in college football at Florida this, this last season, but he's never really the full-time guy there, but he's 5'10", 220 pounds. Javante williams S type of player, he had 6% body fat, so not only uh, physically, but his play style as well, as Pierce had the highest missed tackles forced rate this last season, similar to Javante Williams last year. And Javante, as a rookie for Denver, was one of the best running backs to transition into the NFL last season. Another thing that makes Pierce great is that he is an all-around player, and he proved that at the Senior Bowl. Pass blocking, he's probably the best in this class, which is so important. He has the receiving skills, the balance, the whole works. And probably the most important part is he had the highest rushing grade in the season by an SEC running back since 2014? Pierce, Pierce's grade this last season, his rushing grade was 93.5. That's that's higher than Clyde Edward Telaire. That's higher than Najee Harris. That's higher than Leonard Fournette. Right now, David Pierce, though, on the overall consensus draft board. He's a third-round player, and so drafting him at the end of round three, if you didn't have any other player in your backfield, I would do that and rely on him to be my starter from day one because right now there's really um, no reason why he won't be ready to play. He, he's a literally all-around running back. He proved that in college, and you can get this guy at the end of round three. So the question is, why do you have high draft picks, round one, Round two guys, why do you even pay money for running backs when you can get a guy this good in the third round in this draft? But and but the Packers aren't in a situation where Damon Pierce would actually see the field, so this would actually still be a waste of a draft pick, even though I think the value is really good because the Packers will have Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon next year as well, and then the year after we'll have to make some moves at the running back position. Now. The next guy I want to talk about is Rashad White out of Arizona State. He's the only FBS running back with a 90-plus rushing and receiving grade this last season. Um, then there is also Jerome Ford, transferred from Alabama to Cincinnati, who is a surefire receiver, great runner with a with breakout season in 2021. And then there's Zamir White out of Georgia, the most athletic sports scorer in this draft, one of the highest ever and the seventh highest over the last five drafts for running backs that is um even these guys i wanted to put on this list i wanted to talk about i wanted to draft but still i think they're being overvalued as even fourth round types of players because they do have some traits that are lacking rashad white um is really has inconsistent hands Jerome Ford lacks the athleticism you'd want to see from an NFL running back and Zemir White was never really used very much in college and especially never as a pass catcher which is really concerning if one of them falls into later on day three like at round five round six round seven awesome totally do it but just not sure if the value is there in the fourth round so the guy the last two running backs I'll mention the first is Pierre Strong Jr. out of South Dakota State this is Big play waiting to happen because this guy had an insane uh, relative athletic score, 9.32, 437 40-yard dash, the fastest running back at the combine. His breakaway speed, his shiftiness are top-notch. He's a gifted athlete. His acceleration, his burst, out of this world, game-changing top-end speed. The only knock on Strong is that he has poor hands, but I totally believe especially at the running back position hands can be fixed it takes practice but it's doable if you can get this guy the ball in space let him accelerate he could be dangerous this is the change of pace back we need after aaron jones gets cut in a year or two and as an early fifth round pick this would be a steal this is why a Pierre Strong Jr. is why Aaron Jones is unneeded on your team because you can pick up Pierre Strong in the fifth round for pennies on the dollars to get the same type of production. And then finally, the last guy I mentioned is Isaiah Pacheco, running back out of Rutgers. So uh, Isaiah was one of the best athlete athletes coming out of the combine at the running back position. Listen to these to these numbers: ninety eighth percentile speed score and ninety third percentile bench. So this weird combination of crazy strong crazy fast uh, for his size he was not phenomenal in college as a runner or a pass catcher by any means but I think he's worth taking a chance on with this type of athleticism I think he could be a great third string running back to have on this roster who can add some electric speed out of the backfield which is truly missing as Aaron Jones is an all-around great running back who is an agile runner A.J. Dillon is your monster tackle breaker while Pacheco In the seventh round, could be that speed guy who could make a huge play if you get him the ball in space. This type of speed is also vital to have on your special teams, and he could add that, but he's not just speed without weight. This guy's 216 pounds, so he can take a hit and give a hit as well. This guy as a very late seventh round draft pick, even capable of being undrafted, but if I'm the Packers, I'm bringing him in the building there in the final round of the draft or even as an undrafted free agent. And then the final position I want to talk about today is the tight end group. So the first top player on everybody's draft board at the tight end position is Trey McBride. Um, the key is the consensus number one guy out of Colorado State. And it makes sense. He had a ninety. 90- pff receiving grade against man coverage last season catches everything thrown at him really good speed score of 114.8 which is really amazing for the tight end position but even with all that to me he's still not a top 50 player and not worthy of being drafted in the second round because i don't think the tight end position is that important to draft that highly okay and so I would have to say the same thing about Greg Dolchich, another tight end I liked but is being valued way higher than I thought he should be still because the NFL is valuing him as a second-round player as well, and he's just not worth it, okay? These guys aren't that good. They're not that surefire of talents at the tight end position, and the tight end position is just not that valuable. So the real value comes with my next two guys, and that's Jelani Woods out of Virginia and Charlie kolar out of Iowa, <laughs> Iowa State. First, Jelani is a huge man, six foot seven, two hundred fifty nine pounds. He is an easy target. One of the most important things that tight ends need to produce in the NFL is a fast forty time. And at Jelani's height and weight, he could really move at a four six one forty, which is pretty fast. Understanding how big of a human this guy is. Not to mention this guy has insane wingspan with over 34-inch arms, which makes it very easy for him to make plays in traffic or with guys all over him, allowing Rodgers to put the ball in only a place a guy like Jelani Woods could get. Jelani came into college as a top 25 quarterback prospect, but actually moved to tight end during his redshirt uh, freshman season. I don't like drafting tight ends, but if the Packers can pull off getting a guy like this with his athleticism still truly owning and learning the position and coming off a productive senior year where he had an 82.8 receiving grade, receiving grade, and was first team all ACC I think this could be a steal in the fourth round okay Um, because I think tight end is a hard position to assess a position that really all that matters is your athleticism so I think Getting a guy like this on day three, this is the right spot to be drafting tight ends. Then there's Charlie Kolar out of Iowa State, very similar to Jelani Woods, 252 pounds, seven, speed score in the 87th percentile. But the thing about Kolar is he's actually more athletic than Jelani Woods, and that showed at the Combine. He was the 75th percentile or higher in almost every single drill, in his agilities, his explosiveness. Even in his hand size, it puts a lot more rhyme and reason of why Kolar was so productive in college with three straight seasons of overall PFF grades of 85. He was a touchdown machine in college. And I think it makes more sense because his giant hands combined with his 96th percentile arm length, he can catch in traffic like no other. Here maybe my favorite value addition in the draft. And again, another fourth round tight end prospect. And the final tight end I will mention is James Mitchell out of Virginia Tech. He's six foot four, two 249 pounds, nice weight, sort of short arms, smaller hands, though. And right now, Mitchell is flying under the radar because he tore his ACL in his final season. And his career kind of looked like this. He had the shortened COVID season last year in 2020, where he had an 80.5 receiving grade. I think he was looking to build onto that season for his senior year and then tore his ACL in just the second game of the season. And so we don't have that much data to see how he would have played his senior year Um, but he decided to go to the draft anyway he could have been set up for a monster year we didn't get to see it because of that injury we don't even get to know his athletic scoring numbers because of the injury but I think he's a guy worth worth taking a chance on for sure I think the tape shows that I think this is a guy who I think would have had a breakout season if not for the injury and is still coming out early and is just being valued as an early seventh round pick and that's I think easy to take a chance on because uh, of the possibilities of him being way better than anybody would have realized. So while QB, running back, tight end are not positions the Packers currently really need at all, they really don't. Um, I think we we would be fine if we left the draft without either three of these. QB, we have three guys we like. Running back, we have two main starters, and even rookie Kylan Hill coming back off the torn ACL. Tight end, we have three guys we like Mercedes lewis robert Tunyon, josiah deguara all three of which are coming back and so but there are options to consider in the draft after portraying the talent i showed you in the upcoming draft and where these players are being valued i think it's easy to realize that the packers probably have made some poor choices at these three positions though at qb we didn't ever need to draft or in love as high as we did if we would have simply known aaron Rodgers' timetable and if the Packers ever had a chance to trade Jordan Love to a QB needy team for a second round pick, we should have already. If that were the case, I would be drafting a Carson Strong in the third or a Bailey Zappi in the fifth. There's no doubt. Then at running back, the Packers probably didn't need to spend $10 million a year on Aaron Jones when there's so much talent right here in this draft. The Packers easily could have drafted a guy as talented as Pierce Strong Jr. in the fifth round to pair up perfectly with AJ Dillon as a really good compliment overall and that would have been $10 million to spend on the likes of another valuable position to this team. But because the Packers do have Aaron Jones, I would only be drafting a guy like Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round as kind of a special teams ace and then athletic running back to develop and have for kind of unique purposes in your offense. And then finally at tight end, right now spending $5 million looks a lot different on Robert Tonin as he's recovering from an ACL injury at 28 years old never really having a great PFF rated season when we could draft a tight end like Charlie Kolar in the fourth round. If I'm the Packers because we do like to carry four tight ends on our roster because Mercedes Lewis is getting older because Robert Tunyon is just on a one-year deal I think it would be best for the Packers to try and draft Kolar still in the fourth round but the problem is he won't be able to play like I hope he would be able to as a rookie because of the other players in the way of him getting playing time. So While the Packers are set at these positions already, the Packers could have saved money and had a lot more promise at each of those position groups had the Packers made better decisions prior. We're looking at about probably $18 million of savings from Jordan Love, Aaron Jones, Robert Tunyon, not to mention an extra first-round pick at some point as well, which would have helped at another major position of need, like, I don't know, maybe a receiver. But all of these little decisions... Um, They add up even decisions on not our top tier types of players are important to be able to build a team that just isn't just talented, but that wins in the margins because it's teams that make great decisions up and down the roster that are best set up to win a Super Bowl. And the Packers really haven't done that at QB running back uh, tight end. Uh, but hopefully they can start to make those great decisions here in the future. So that's all I have today, folks. Make sure to stay tuned for more episodes of Packers Now this week, especially we got some mock drafts coming to you. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, give me a review, so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast and tell your friends about Packers Now so that they can get all the latest updates on the Ridden gold because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Thanks, guys.